This morning's scripture will be coming from Second Chronicles chapter 7, verses 13-14. through 14. If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, and my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and heal their land. Beloved, it's so good to see all of you all today. Uh, Chad talked about the many blessings we have in Christ, and we all have to amen that, and we're going to be talking about that some today. And um, I, uh, One of the great blessings that I have, that is personal for me, I don't know about the rest of you, but, but when I'm able to look out and see many of you all that have not been here for a good while due to the COVID, and, and you're able to be back with us, and, and we're able to be together in person, you know, uh, this idea of being together separately just didn't go with me. I, I just couldn't get used to that. I, I like to see a face and, uh, even Chuck's, you know, uh, but, uh, it has been, it's been great. And I appreciate everybody being here this morning. Um, brethren, uh, I, I put here in a very personal lesson. I thank God for America. Um, and, um, and I hope you see where I'm coming from just a minute. This is one of those what I call an issue of the heart kind of lesson. Um, Proverbs 14.34 tells us that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. So, Brandon, according to that verse, God is going to either exalt or reproach or bring his reproach on a particular nation, depending on where we're at. There are some songs of the songs that we sang this morning, and uh, many of the fireworks displays that a lot of y'all went to last night or maybe going to go to this evening, uh, that uh, you've been to, and, and we're very much aware because of those things, and uh, that this is a very special time in the history of our country, what we call the Independence Day, the 4th of July. In the Bible, they had memorial days that God commanded his people to keep, and he said, I want you to do this in order for you to remember certain things. There, there were certain days to remember certain things, and we have those days too, brothers and sisters, and they're good. Uh, we need to have them. Uh, we need to have them for a particular reasons, so that we won't forget certain things, certain individuals, certain particular things, or that we'll be taught or retaught these things and be reminded of them. And so on a day like today, it's sort of bittersweet for me. And this is what I want to share with you, my heart, brothers and sisters. I do thank God for America. And we need to, as Abraham Lincoln says, thank God for all of his many benefits. And all we have and all that we have to be thankful for. And, and brothers and sisters, I, I would concur with Chad that of all the nations in this world, we have been blessed the most. And there is a reason for that. We have wonderful family and friends. We have our health for the most part. Uh, we, if not, we have a health care system in our country that's bar none that other people from other countries come to uh, take advantage of. We have our very lives. We have so many other things that we take so much for granted in this country that many countries do not have. We have freedoms that many countries can't even hardly dream of. And so with the many blessings that we have, brothers and sisters, that we need to be thankful for, I think we should also, amongst those blessings, thank God for America. And you say, well, Marvin, 
Is America better than any other nation? Is that what you're saying? No. Are they, is America more deserving than any other country? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. Brethren, God has blessed America. It's God's doing. He does that, and that's why we're here today. Uh, you know, and, 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 and I'm grateful. I'm grateful for all of God's blessings. And I'll be the first to say, beloved, that our country has her faults. I'm not one of these Pollyanna, pie-in-the-sky kind of people that say, America's great and she has no faults and she has no wrongs and there's nothing that we can do to improve. Brothers and sisters, I would never say that and I have never said that. In fact, I think we're seeing more and more of our flaws but I'm not of the, I don't go to the other extreme either. I've talked with people and I've read a lot of what some folks say and, and, and they believe that America never was great, never has been great, never will be great, that we've been horrible from the start and we'll, and we'll, we'll go out of existence being horrible and that there's, we've done no good in our world at all today. Those are two extremes and I think the truth is, of course, somewhere in the middle of that. Brothers and sisters, we have our fault. We certainly do. America was founded by sinful people. America exists today and is filled with sinful, fallen human beings. Amen? And that's with every country in this world. That's with every nation that has ever existed that have always been compiled and of and, and by uh, sinful, fallen people. And so we understand that. And as, and as such, we have our faults just like any other country, okay? And yet, I think it's still appropriate to say, in my mind at least, that she is still the greatest country on the earth. Now, that's not to put down any other country other than to say that I believe God has truly blessed America in many wonderful ways. And I'm thankful for those many blessings, brethren. The, the thing is, the question I have, and this is the bittersweet part for me because I've really been thinking about this, you know. Memorial days, as the Bible says, were meant to, to stir us to memory and to get us to thinking about certain things. And I've really been pondering on this for a while. Up north they meditate, down south we ponder, don't we? Uh, but I've been pondering on these things for a while. And I've been thinking about, you know, what direction is our country going in and, 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 and what's going to be the outcome? And of course I can't give you that. I don't know the future, but but but. There the thing that torments that torments me a little bit is is will she remain great in the way that I would describe her greatness, brethren? We need to be thankful for the many things that we take for granted in the United States. We have freedoms here that most countries do not have. We have freedom of speech, although there are some that are trying to take that away from us right now with the council culture and certain big tech companies that can censor you at any whim. And, and, you know, we have that. We have freedom of the press. Sometimes that's abused, of course, but we have it. We have freedom right now to assemble and worship. I would, I would maintain that none of us this morning had to wonder and fear if we were going to be persecuted for coming to worship God today. Anybody throw a rock at y'all coming to church? Anybody burn down your church building? That's happening today in other countries. There's not many countries can say that, brothers and sisters. We have the freedom to travel anywhere we want to in this country. Do you know that? We don't have to stop at every state line and, and, and get a passport or get permission to pass through that state. Did you know that's rare in this world? 
Did you know in many countries you have to do that? These are things we take for granted or may not even know about. We work where we want to work. We can pretty much do our own thing, as we say in our vernacular. We can own property. You see, we're supposed to have private property rights in this country. There's so many blessings like that, brothers and sisters, that we're born and raised in and that we just take for granted. And it takes traveling some time to other countries to understand that most countries do not have these blessings, and, and many wouldn't even dream of having them. So I'm thankful, very frankly, brothers and sisters, for the many blessings of being able to live in what we call the United States of America. Now, we're being taught by one segment of our society that, that people call themselves multiculturalists. That's not a word I come up with. And, and they say that one country is no better than the other and that we should be diverse and that we should be thankful that we should not be thankful for one nation over another that that's being arrogant and that every nation has our problems and we certainly have ours and therefore we're no better than any other country brethren i uh, understand some of the tone of that but i have to disagree just based on history i think the facts and histories prove that we have been tremendously blessed but i'm grateful i'm grateful for the many blessings that we have for our ability to work, for our homes, for the riches that we have in this country. I'm grateful for our servicemen and women who lay down their lives so that we can continue to be free. I'm grateful for those first responders that, that lay it all down for us. I thank God that I live in America. I thank God that I'm an American, and I thank God for the blessings of living in this great country, and I pray that we'll never take them for granted because with freedom comes great responsibility. So then... Am I wrong? Yeah, there, I, have, I have friends that would maintain, Marvin, you're just, you're wrong uh, with what you're saying this morning. Is America the greatest country in the world? And there'd be a question mark there in a lot of people's mind. I read a bulletin article recently. In fact, um, I agree with the article, it, it, most of it. it. It was written by a dear friend of mine who's been a gospel preacher for a lot longer than I have. And, and in the article, it said that we Americans need to realize that God is not an American. And I agree with that, of course. But the, the gist of the article was that God loves everybody in every country, and certainly that's right, brethren. Only an insane person would disagree with that. But then the rest of the tone of the article was uh, that God hasn't favored America in any way. And I believe, unless you just don't pay attention to history at all, that God has indeed granted us a great deal of his many blessings God has the power to grant all the nations in this world the exact same blessings, does he not? He has that power, brothers and sisters. But for whatever reason, and I do not propose to stand up before you this morning and speak for God Almighty in this matter, he has his reasons, but for whatever reason, he has chosen in our short history to bless America above the other nations. I think history shows that. Beloved, we're the new kids on the block. We are, we are the youngsters when it comes to the other, what they call major civilizations in our world. And yet God has blessed us far more than he has in, in this short period of time that we've been here than he has any other nation. Now, does that mean that he loves them any less? Certainly not. Does he want, uh, does he want them saved any less than he wants someone born in this country that we call America saved? Certainly not. So, brethren, there's a reason that God has chosen to bless America and the reason is, and I think we've forgotten this, is that America, for all of her faults, and they are many, was founded on Christianity and the Bible. 
Now, there are those in our country who teach what they call, and again, this is their terminology, revisionist history, and they'll tell you otherwise. But all you've got to do is take a tour of our nation's capital and other places uh, of, that were part of our founding and, and see the statues and the scriptural quotes and what God-fearing men and women were in that day. They likened this country at its beginning as, in biblical terms by calling it a, a new Jerusalem or a new Israel, a spiritual Israel as God was bringing a special people to the shores of America who desired to worship him in freedom so that they could truly become what they described as one nation under God. Brethren, there was a fellow, and I, and I mispronounce his name, I know. Those of you that know uh, French very well should, I hope, will, will straighten me out on this because I do need to know. But Alexis de Tocqueville, is that correct? Um, he came to America in 1831. We were still a relatively new nation. And he wanted, to honor, he wanted to see, he realized as a historian that we had been blessed far beyond other countries, and he wanted to know why. And he was going to take a tour of the entire country, take a long time, and figure out what we Americans were doing different than anybody else in the different of the world, and, and he wrote a book about it uh, called Democracy in America, and, and this is what he said in, in that, and I, I'm going to quote more than once, but he said, the Americans combined the notions of Christianity and of liberty so intimately in their minds that it is impossible to make them conceive the one without the other. Beloved, that's why I believe God has blessed this nation the way that he has. Brethren, we're the only country that has a long line of immigrants waiting to get in, even willing to break the law to do so. And there are no barriers here to keep anyone in that decides they want to leave this country. Americans freely give billions of dollars to charity every year. We're always one of the first to respond to a disaster, even to countries who hate us and are our avowed enemies we spent untold billions developing medicines and cures for diseases that would benefit mankind. I believe we're the most compassionate people on the earth when it comes to helping others, and America is still, I believe, the land of opportunity, and I'm very grateful that for that, but this is what my also fear. We're losing our gratefulness. We are in a lot of ways. We're losing that, and the reason we are is because we have forgotten or maybe not being taught what, or more specifically, who has made us great. Beloved, I don't want us to delude ourselves, you know. We can fall. We can fall, you know. We, we have the same mindset, I think, in our day and age that Rome had at, at one time. Rome ruled the world. They were the superpower. They were invincible. They didn't think they could ever fall, and we see the result of that, and we think the same thing. I think we think we're so powerful and so prosperous and, 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 and so whatever you want to add to that list that we just can't fall. Brethren, there have been 19 major civilizations that have lived in a, or existed in our world since man first began to form government, not not 19 civilizations, but major ones that had a tremendous impact on the world. Of these 19, five still survive in some form. And our civilization is one of those five. And it has some very obvious cracks in its foundation. And we, and we could emulate uh, or enumerate several of those today, but I don't see any point because we know what they are. If, you, if you're paying attention at all in this country, you can see all the things that we need to work on, that we need to fix, and that we need to make better. And if you pay attention at all, you, you're going to know what those are. But, brethren, here's the thing that, 
concerns me, the very cure for our ills in large part is the very thing that the secularists and others in our society reject or deny. And so if you reject the cure, you're going to be in bad shape. If you've got a serious illness and you reject the cure, you're going to eventually die. And so we should learn from history and from experience that if we want to survive as a country, we must be followers of God. Now, brethren, we ask, is the situation hopeless? And there are those in our society that say yes, that say it is. I've talked with Christians who will tell you right up front that we're on our way out. And there's not a whole lot we can do uh, about it. They say that this nation has become so immoral and that we have gone so far down that slippery slope that we've reached some terrible depths of sin, that such terrible depths of sinfulness that we're, we're not going to be able to crawl out and that our glory days are over and that, that God is going to bring his judgment on this nation and as he did several other nations in the Bible and throughout history. And brethren, that's possible. It's possible that God indeed would do that. But my question, my son, are we destined to decline? In, uh, is, you know, uh, are we destined to do that? It, you know, is, is God going to bring his judgment? Is, is, you know, is, are we going to decline as Greece and as Rome did and as other nations who used to rule the world at one time did? I, I don't know, brethren. I can't speak for God again. I hope not. My, 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 my optimism says we don't have to do that, not if we'll face the realities of our situation and do something about them, and complaining is not what we need to do, okay? What do we need to do, brothers and sisters? And, and this is the last point of my lesson. We've got to return to God. We've ceased to be righteous in a large part in our country, so, so we've got to turn the tide. What do we do to turn the tide? That's the question in my mind. That's the thing that I've really been pondering on. If we want to remain a great country, if we want to remain the beacon on that hill, that our shining light, that our forefathers' invention, how are we going to do that? Brethren, how can we remain greater, as some may say, uh, how can we get back to the same greatness that our country once had. You see, brethren, the doomsdayers say that we've seen our better days, that we're not going to retain the same greatness that we once had, that, and, that, and, you know, and, and sometimes in the church we'll say this saying, if we do what they did, we'll get what they got, and if not, why not? And I believe that's the same holds true today when it comes to serving God. So what do we need to do, brothers and sisters? We need to return to God and to the Christian principles that this country was founded upon. In other words, we've got to get back to God. That, that is the key, not only for this country, but for any country that wants to survive. Righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is a reproach to any people. We've got to return to uh, the God who made our country great. We've got to return to him. We've got to once again, or maybe for the first time for some people, uh, you know, become the, at least the idea of one nation, only God, because only righteous people are going to make a nation great. Again, Mr. DeTalkville, if I'm pronouncing it, uh, uh, mispronouncing it again, I'm sure, he, when he came to America, he, he looked around and he said, and I quote, I thought I was going to find the strength of America in its factories and in its natural resources and in its government. And he admitted I was wrong. 
He goes on to say, I found America's greatness when I began her to visit her churches. He writes that, he said, they have a church on every corner. They have a church in the very smallest of communities. And he says, that's where their greatness is. That, uh, quote, America is great because she is good. And if she ever ceases to be good, then she will cease to be great. And brethren, in many ways, we've ceased to be good. We've ceased to be righteous. And only a righteous people will make a nation great. And that means Christians. That involves you and me. It it rests on our shoulders. The government can't do it. We expect them to, but they can't. The universities can't do it. They say, we'll just educate and enlighten everyone. And we we, we have a lot of enlightened, educated people in our country, and they're still in sin. There are those who are very intelligent, and yet they deny and they mock God. They reject God. Labor's not going to do it. Prosperity won't. The humanist can't. Technology's not going to do it. It's made our life easier, but it's not going to do it. The only hope for our country and for the world lies in returning to God. I want you to please read Deuteronomy 8. We don't have time today. Read all of Deuteronomy 8, because I see a parallel. See, our forefathers saw a lot of parallels in God blessing America in the same way that he did Israel. And God called Israel, and he set them free, and he says, in Deuteronomy 8, I'm going to give you a land. God calls it the promised land or the land of promise, because he promised it to them. And our forefathers referred to America in the same way, and God said, I'm going to bless you in fact, God says, I'm, and I hope you see the parallels here, brothers and sisters, because there are many. God says to Israel, his people, Israel, I'm going to make you rich. He says, I'm not only just going to make you rich, I'm going to make you richer than all the nations in the world. And I'm going to make you more powerful than all the nations in the world. And I'm going to make you more well-known of all, in all the nations in the world. And he, and he goes on to ex- explain all the ways he was going to enrich them. And there was just about every way possible. And he says, but you better be careful because God says when you've got to be ever so careful because when I prosper you and when I make you fat, as the King James Version says, which means when, you, when I prosper you and you become wealthy, he said, I'm going to prosper you above all the other nations. And he said, you know what you're going to do? When you become rich, when you become prosperous, when you become so very blessed, you're going to begin to take these things for granted and you're going to look around and say, God has blessed us above all the other nations, which was true. And he says, when I do that, you've got to be so very careful. And he told them, you know what's going to happen you're going to forget God you're going to say my hand and my strength are what has prospered us and God says when you do that I'm going to punish you and you see as we study Hebrew history in the Old Testament that's exactly what God did brethren are we so uninformed that we can't see that the almighty is capable and willing to do the same in our great nation or any other nation that turns its back on him Are we going to be arrogant enough to say that our hand, our strength, our talent, our knowledge, our technology, our ability, our advances is what made us great? God will turn it over to us if we do that. No, brethren, we've got to get back to God. That's our only hope. I do thank God for America. 
I thank God that I was born here. I thank God for blessing her. But will we ever realize that all of us have everything to lose unless we individually take an active part in leading America back to the laws and the principles of God in his word? Beloved, our only hope for America, our only hope for the world, our only hope as individuals lies in returning to God. We all have a moral and spiritual obligation to our families and to our country and to our fellow citizens, but especially to God first and foremost. foremost. Brethren, that's what the scriptures tell us over and over again. Our founding fathers recognized it, not just our founding fathers, but others. Thomas Jefferson said this, God who gave us liberty... God who gave us liberty, I'm sorry, brethren, let me get this straight. God who gave us life gave us liberty. Can the liberties of a nation be secure when we have removed a conviction that those liberties are the gift of God? Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just and that his justice cannot sleep forever. And I believe Mr. Lincoln was right when he said America will never be destroyed from the outside. If we falter and lose our freedoms, it will be because we destroyed ourselves. Let me read you what the Bible says along these lines. Psalms thirty-three, twelve: Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And we read again in Proverbs 14, 34, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And then we have our scripture reading today because God gives us the cure, brothers and sisters. In Second Chronicles seven fourteen, he says to his people, Israel, if you go and you sin and you remain in sin, then I'm going to punish you. And he mentions some ways that he's going to do that. And then he gives the cure. He says in verse 14, if my people that's who it's up to brothers and sisters he didn't say if the government he didn't say if the heathen if the seculars if whoever he said if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then i will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land that's the cure will we accept it beloved i want us to pray this morning and this prayer that i'm going to pray is not original with me it was prayed many many years ago and i like it i think it's just as relevant today as it was a hundred years ago let's pray god of our fathers whose almighty hand has made and preserved this nation of ours Father, we pray that we will all understand what it is that we celebrate during this time of the year. May we remember, Father, how bitterly our freedom was won, the down payment that was made for it, the installment that has been made since then, and the price that has yet to be paid for our liberty. Father, we think of the freedoms not as the right to do as we please, but as the opportunity to do what is right. May it ever be understood that our liberty is to be found only under God and in Christ and can be found nowhere else. May our faith be something that is not merely stamped upon our coins but expressed in our daily lives. And Father, to the extent that America honors and serves you, will you continue to bless her? 
Keep her true as you have kept her free and make her righteous as you have made her rich. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. And amen. Beloved, we've talked some about this country today and what makes any country great. But when you come to the end of your life, and we all will if the Lord tarries, the question is, which country will you live in for an eternity? Because as we sing, as blessed as we are to be born and raised and live in this country, it's not our permanent home. We sing that song, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. The Bible maintains that there's only two eternal kingdoms, two eternal countries, as it were, that the whole world from Adam and Eve onward is going to live in someday, and they're described as heaven and hell. As we mentioned in communion this morning, Jesus came and died on a cross so that we humans being deserving of hell would not have to go there and that we can be saved and live with him forever. And in John 14, Jesus says to his faithful disciples there, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and, and take you to myself that where I am you may be also. Are you prepared for the eternal city? That's the one we need to be really concerned about. If you're not right with the Lord, wants you to know he loves you, he wants you saved. He nailed a son on a cross so you could be. Take advantage of that this morning while we stand and sing.